Hey folks, and welcome to Growth Triggers. This is a new segment we're piloting on Deconstructor, a fun podcast focusing on all matters growth. Now, Growth Triggers has two hosts, Eric Suford, founder of Mobile Dev Memo and Heracles Media. Eric is a man who served as head of growth at several top gaming companies and by far the most knowledgeable person to talk about growth that I know of. And your second host is, host is myself, Mishka Katkov, founder of Deconstructor Fun and Savage Game Studios. My background is on the product management and studio leadership side of games. Now, why our background is somewhat relevant is because in this segment, we'll tackle the topics from both marketing and product perspective. So as we're developing this segment, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover and what we can do to improve. I hope you enjoy the show. And I hope we're able to earn all five stars. Before we start, as always, big thanks to our sponsors. I think what's what's become clearer, certainly in the last few years, as competition in the game industry has really stepped up, is that there's a fundamental difference between a great game and a great game business. You know, you could be super lucky. You, your game is an instant hit. It's resonating with users. But for when that's not the case, uh, or even when you just want to take your game growth to the next level, that's where we come in. So we've developed a really incredible platform that's designed to make you as powerful and as capable as possible in growing your game, whether that's growing your game revenue or growing your user base. That was Melissa Zeloff, VP of Marketing at Iron Source. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppsFlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppsFlyer's latest product, the Incrementality Solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppsFlyer's Incrementality Solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With, with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest that you head out to appsflyers.com. So I was I was reading all these all these news, and um, basically by all these news I mean all the acquisition news, not the uh, the lockdown news, all the acquisition news. And one thing that I don't get is family. You know, now that anybody acquires anybody, you're automatically joining a family. Does that sound weird to you? Is it is it so? I'm just, like, is it just me? Because it kind of sounds weird, right? Yeah. That is, that is that's just like overly intimate yeah like think about family it's just like hey guys no matter what happens we're still brothers you know right, yeah, right. <laughs> even with, with 24 years of decline we'll still be there for you because we're family we're same blood dude right it's, yeah, we're yeah. Here for, it's like no like why can't they say team because that's what it really is like we're acquiring you to be a member of this team and we hope you score a lot and if you don't we're gonna cut you yeah and that and that's and that's exactly what's going to happen you know what i mean like there's no there's no uh misconceptions about that everyone knows that going in like there's no you know what i mean like no no one's thinking like wow these guys are really going to treat us like family that's amazing yes so 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 what really is kind of like so like zynga doesn't do this in a, in their mna news they don't say like hey welcome to the zynga family we all have dogs and we love yeah. life it's just like oh whatever but but a lot, like even with the latest Epic news or the media tonic, they're like, we're so happy to join the Epic family. I'm like, really? Yeah. What family is that? Like how, you know? You, um, you know what though? I would say, I, I think Epic does have, um, I mean, I've trolled Tim Sweeney on Twitter for years and I think he's blocked me at this point. <laughs> but I do genuinely, because I, I just don't agree with him and his crusade against Apple. But I do genuinely think he's built an amazing company. I mean, mm -hmm. if you think back to what that company was, when I was growing up, that was like considered to be a top tier developer when they when they first came out with like the Unreal series and then yeah. they got in like the engine wars with id software like that was so fascinating to watch. 
Um, and then actually it was like a real uh, genuine privilege for me to go. I worked with them a couple of years ago. I got to go out to the to their headquarters in Cary and everyone there just seemed really happy, like much happier than I've ever seen. You know, the, the general atmosphere was much better than I've ever seen, like a big gaming company, like, you know, mm -hmm. a, a one, especially one that does like AAA console stuff. You know, usually those companies, everyone just looks like they want to die. <laughs> but uh, Epic, it, it seemed like a cool place, um, a really nice place to work. And uh, and it had a, it seemed to have like a really not a, I mean, not again, like not that like familiar culture, but like just people liked being there and they actually probably liked going to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, but I think that's that's two also two different things between family and, and just liking your workplace and liking your employer. And I'm not saying like Mediatonic is not a great place to work or Epic or any of these family Things, right, but, but they're not families, right? Anyways, we're yeah. we're drifting away. That yeah. was just something that that has been bugging me. And now that the news are coming in like every second day, every other day, yeah. Somebody, and then it's all families. I'm like, what are we Mormon Mormons? It's just like it feels like, like <laughs> never ending slew of, of like kids. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they nothing. Won't... No offense to Mormons. The Mormons are great. Uh, it's just like the best people alive. But but and you know, happy families. But anyways. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but what we we published that post uh, the Ragnarok. This it's hap it's happening. This yeah, is it's happening right it, now. It's full. It's full. It's it's in full clip. So let's talk about the uh, the next thing. I wanted to I wanted to get your thought on this. So this was actually something that Sophie Vo brought up in the Deconstructor Fun Slack channel, and she brought up this thing is like how do you work with UA teams and what are the best practices, and there were kind of like four parts of this question. Uh, and that you wanted to get a thought on. So first of all, do you embed UA staff into your team or not? Second ones, who do you count into the UA team or performance marketing team? Do you count marketing team separately? Three was what are the vital user acquisition functions for a game team? And four was who or what do you need for the best chances to succeed in softwash? Now, of course, all these things vary. And Sophie's working uh, she's she's a studio lead in Wudu Berlin, so she's basically running a team in Wudu Berlin. So she's a part she's in uh, a part of a corporation. So what I wanted to get your thought because you you've consulted a lot of different companies, from the giants of Epic to to small giants like small giant. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, to, so I wanted to kind of get your perspective on what what would be the answers for these questions in the context of companies like Wudu, and let's say you're in Berlin or you're in Montreal, and in the context of like Small Giant or Gram Games before the Zynga acquisition, where they're kind of, you know, they might have their own UA functions and they might not even have them, where do they start and how they move forward? And and then, yeah, well, let's just start with that because I have more questions as you go. Yeah, well, one just kind of funny note about the Epic thing. So I went out there and, um, they were like, hey, you know, we have no experience launching on mobile. Can you help us out? Come out for a couple of days. Just like walk us through the process of launching a game on mobile. And I was like, sure, like that sounds great. And I come out and they're showing me this game. And I'm just like, this game's never going to work on mobile. Like this game is just, it's just a non-starter, guys. It's never going to work on mobile. Like, I don't know. And like, well, do you think we can hire him for a UA? And I'm like, it's going to be tough. You know what I mean? You know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you could. You probably could. But I, this is going to be a tough game to launch on mobile, guys. Anyway. The game was called Fortnite. Uh, to, in my defense, that game was on mobile for a long time before it kind of became Fortnite, right? I mean, this was pre-Battle yeah. Royale game mode, right? So yeah. it was, I mean, I, I think it did, it, did, it didn't really work before they got the Battle Royale mode, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's just funny. I'm glad they didn't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of a- uh, it, It's the same thing. I got like, a, like several years ago, I got a call from, I was still living in San Francisco. I got a call from Activision and I'm like, hey dude, Call of Duty mobile. I was like, what do you mean? Like a strategy game? Like, didn't you, you guys do that? It's like, no, dude, free to play FPS. I was like, yeah. do you want to come over and just have a chat? So short flight. I was like, nah, not really into yeah. this. I don't, I don't, I don't see so. it working. What's, what's the point? <laughs> I said my buddy, I'm like, just talk to my buddy. You know, like, yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's a pass. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's pass for me, guys. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Yeah, send your buddy. Just like this is going nowhere. So this yeah. is a good caveat of how much we uh, understand and <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> see the trend. Well, yeah, yeah, right now. 
I, I wish, I, I don't know, maybe one day, I'll, you know, we'll do an episode of just all the opportunities that would have turned us into like Desi millionaires that we say like, nah. <laughs> you know, it, it has to be a drunken episode. We, we should do that. Yeah. Uh, it will, we need to get super drunk in that, for that. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I might start crying. No, I'm just kidding. I <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. This is, a good, this is a really good topic, I think, because it affects the whole org, right? And I think sometimes people look at it as like, ah, we'll get a marketing person come in, figure it out, build a marketing team. And it just doesn't work that way. I mean, marketing is kind of like the engine of your company's growth and you need everyone on the whole founding team at least. But if you're in like a studio kind of situation, um, like a voodoo, you, you need everyone kind of in the studio management to be plugged into what's happening and have a say in it. I don't know that there's like a right configuration either. I've just seen so many different configurations work and I've seen so many different configurations not work. It's hard to say that like, you know, set like hub and spoke versus embedded you know, is better or worse. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think um, a good place to start maybe with just talking about the, the Graham situation. I mean, I don't think they those guys would get angry at me for talking about it. But, uh, you know, I worked with them for a long time. When I was in London, I used to go into the office a couple of days a week. Um, and, uh, you know, I was helping them build out the team, but also think through the launch strategy for um, a couple of their titles. And um, they had a team of basically one, uh, really talented guy. And he was spending a lot of money, um, just him. But I mean, just he's lived where I mean, he's a really great guy. Uh, I won't say his name, but because uh, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, violate his privacy. But uh, yeah, he anyway, he's just a really good. I mean, you know, we were really, really great buddies. And we worked together uh, very closely, but it was just him. Um, and he was probably spending three mil a month, four million, four million a month what? across like three, four. I mean, he, he was just, he was like live, like living, sleeping, eating, doing his job. I, well, one thing is he, uh, so Graham moved their, uh, they moved a lot of people to London at one point. And so he had just kind of landed in London and like new city, uh, didn't know anybody. And so it was kind of like one of those, and a lot of, a lot of the people from the assembly office had done that too. So they all kind of just hung out at work all day. Uh, and then just would stay at work, you know, after like seven or eight. And they had a chef coming in making three meals a day. So like they would be at work from like, you know, 8 a.m., 9 a.m. to like 9 p.m., 10 p.m. Um, just hanging out, working and, you know, playing, you know, ping pong or whatever. But anyway, um, so he was just handling a lot of budget. I think if you can get a superstar like that, you can grow pretty far. But I think that's that's one of the issues with like scaling up a UA team from zero. A lot of people think, OK, got the founding team in place, need to get a marketing lead. And it's like, that's usually the wrong decision. You get somebody in who's, you know, wants a CMO title. Well, they're not going to want to do a lot of the button pushing of UA, right? They're going to want to hire, then hire a team. And, um, and then you run into what I call the chicken and egg problem with UA, which is like, well, you need a UA team before you launch, right? But you don't want to hire a UA team before you have anything for them to do. Because otherwise, they're just sitting around doing nothing. Um, and so I think that first hire kind of needs to be a button pusher, just like a really solid, really dependable, really detail oriented person who can manage that spend up to one, two, three million a month if the game is successful, but who's not going to demand to have a team underneath them because then, then you're just creating a lot of like unnecessary hierarchy and, and overhead. Uh, what's the, uh, what's the kind of, so I, I've actually, I've, I've been, I've done this. So I've, I've brought in a marketing lead and and have had that like the first hire what's the background for that type of a person that you're looking for because the the question for a lot of people and that was for me as well is like do i bring in a product marketing manager who can run a campaign because a product marketing manager can usually formulate a marketing strategy they can yeah. even outsource to i mean they can outsource to to folks that do creatives they can run some of the campaigns themselves. They can do a lot of things versus do I get like a um, campaign manager type of person? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that depends a lot on the uh, makeup of the founding team and the type of game you're making, because I think, you, you know, I mean, I, and I've worked with a ton of studios that have been in this position, like we were going from zero to we need a marketing team. And, and what does that look like? And a lot of times that's going to be defined by just the kind of marketing the CEO thinks are going to be doing, right? Like a lot of times, hey, this is going to be like highly branded. We're going to really focus on um, creating kind of this narrative that connects back to the game with our marketing. And you see like, uh, you know, you, you talk to Phil from Seriously mm -hmm. and that's what they did right out of the gate. And they had an awesome, they had an awesome successful exit, right? Uh, they were very successful with that strategy. 
And then you have other companies be coming out and like, yeah, we're making game X. We'll figure out the name after we've done ASO testing for two weeks. You know what I mean? And then it's like, well, that, that, that culture clearly is just going to be around. Yeah. We don't, re we're not really making a branded thing. Let's just try to grow DAU. I think, I think you, you can have, you can bring in a, a, a sort of a product marketer. And, you know, we've talked about this before, like UA is easy, right? It's easy to do. The button pushing thing is fairly easy. It's like, okay. what's really difficult is the um, analytics around that, putting that all into place. And, and by that, I just mean like actually having the infrastructure to do measurement. Um, it's really tough. And then also the, the sort of just building the, the plan, building like the kind of model, because that depends on like kind of a deeper understanding of like the dynamics of free to play games. And really understanding, okay, well, how does retention play into this? How does uh, monetization, will monetization degrade over time? When we scale from 1 million to 2 million, what happens to these kind of early stage metrics? And how does that change the DAU uh, uh, composure? You know, that's part of the reason I built uh, Theseus, the, the Python library, because I wanted to help teams be able to do that kind of analysis. But that's the difficult thing. And so that product marketing person still needs to be like quite analytical and be able to build mm -hmm. those, kind of, those kind of models. Because, because that's going to be the especially at the early stages when you just got the one game that's the business plan yeah that's 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 a good point because even uh, like in my case we brought in a product marketing person and she was she was good like she was able to she, of course our game relied more on community and we we used influencer marketing in addition to to facebook and, and she was good at, at coordinating uh different vendors and so forth but we did not have that sort of sophisticated ua model yeah. Where, how do you how do you get one? And like, let, let's put it this way. So, actually, not only how do you get one? That's of course mobile dev memo connect and then hire yeah. Eric. Uh, but but um, but more like the question is, I've been at different organizations, and some organizations like it seems like the product teams just don't trust their UA. So yeah. what what do they do at that point? Should they try to model it themselves or? Like, what what do you do in that kind of situation where there's kind of like a lack of trust? Well, just to answer the first question, where do you get a model? I've got one for free on Mobile Dev Memo. It's, oh. it's been up there since 2013. I mean, it's not the most up-to-date, uh, you know, model, but it, it'll get the job done. And um, Apple, Apple re-rolled the whole strategy back to 2014, so it's good right. to go. It's good to it's go. Good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to go. Never been more relevant. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's like 20 people that downloaded a day, right? I yeah. mean, it's some, somebody's using it. Um, you know, Simon from Space Ape one time, he was telling me like, yeah, the first model we, we built for, uh, for uh, Samurai Siege was, was based on yours. It's like, oh, sick. Can I get some equity? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> How about a warm handshake instead? Uh, no, I was just, just messing around. Uh, I mean, Simon did say that, but I didn't ask for equity. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's honestly like, it's the, uh, it's the, 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 the moment your momentum dies is when people lose trust in that underlying model and start saying like, well, maybe we should build our own. Like if you lose that trust, if there's just not like, like just, you know, unquestioned just faith in the UA team's LTV model, especially then you've lost the plot and you've got to restart. And like, that's almost like you got to reset. You've got to yeah. get rid of the team and bring yeah. in someone new. Um, because then, then you're just going to be in endless arguments that are like unwinnable, right? It's, you know what I mean? You're just going to be like, just bickering. Um, that, that's the, that's the, that's the time of death, right? Is when, is when it's like, I don't know. I don't know if this LTV model is the right one. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should build our own on the product team and compare. Well, let's just have I'm, two. Let's have I'm two more. I'm getting models. PTSD. I'm getting, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move yeah. on from from this topic of, of like product teams not trusting the uh, the marketing teams i bet like half of the people on this podcast who are listening right now well half would be a lot but uh <laughs> a segment who's who's doing ua and have those bickers between their between them and the marketing uh, and the yeah. product teams they're like fucking shaking um some people just dove under their desk like they're yeah. in the trees <laughs> yeah when, when, especially when surrounding saying, like, us like one has to go and it's never the product team <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, it's, it could be frustrating on the product team too. I mean, I've come into situations where the product team was right. Mm -hmm. the, the, the marketing team was just, they, you know, they were wrong. They were totally wrong. And like, you know, they had to be reformed. And a lot of times you can't just rearrange the chairs, right? I mean, you've got to, you've got to, it's cause it's so corrosive to the culture. You've got to just clean up. And that mm -hmm. means, Hey, you know, head of marketing, you really kind of screwed this up you've lost the trust of the people you're working with. Yeah. It's not just a matter of like, Hey, well, we're going to go fix this and don't worry about it. We're going to come back. They're never going to trust you again. You've got to yeah. go. It's I've seen, well, I have to say like regarding the losing of trust, like I've seen, I've seen in situations where 
where um this is like way back and by way back i mean like uh like a few years when performance marketing was the shit, the uh, the yeah. king of the studio, and <laughs> they they would they would have like lectures, kind of lecture to people like, hey yeah. guys, let me run through you the basics of performance marketing, yeah. and they would just run this the same lectures over and over, yeah. and you know it might be fine for like it's good for your like generic artist like a three D artist Jack and right and um and product mar product like junior product marketing Jill, but um. Right. But when you're really in deep of it and you're trying to grow your game and you're getting the same bullshit presentations, like, hey, let's right. dive a little bit deeper. Anyway, uh, regarding the question, so embedded UA staff or not? So this is probably the question that, that, that is trying to answer is like, how close do you need to bring that marketing um, person? Of course, if you're in a startup, if you're at Gram Games or whatnot before Zynga, the, 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 the marketer is right next to you. And she's yeah. probably sitting, sitting, and then she's all in with the success of your game because that's her career. Yeah. But in a larger organization, we'll do, I don't know, uh, let's, let's name any, any with, with a bunch of portfolio company, uh, portfolio companies and a bunch of studios. Like they're not tied in to the success of your game, like EA, yeah. for example. Um, how close do you bring that UA person? Yeah, I still I still think there's not real I mean, I've seen both models work, right? So let me let me tell I think there's 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 a there's a little bit of a, a portfolio construction, um, you know, kind of kind of uh, component to, to this that that impacts the success. If you've got a portfolio, like if you're play Tika, right, you're not having a centralized UA team like I mean, I mean, outside of the, you know, the, the core studio. Um, well, actually, that's maybe that's a bad example. But if you're if you're like Playtika, the company of uh, the umbrella company of, you know, of Wooga, of Seriously, you're not trying to plug all those companies into your own UA stack. It doesn't work because it's too broad, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, Playtika internally has a, I think, a centralized UA team, but they have a fairly homogenous set of products, right? Like that's the core sort of social casino library. If you if you're a studio and you're building like kind of multiple products and they're, and they're very different. Um, then it doesn't make sense to have a centralized UA team because understanding the, the economics of the game is so important to doing UA really well. Um, and that, that applies in a lot of this now is also just the analytics, right? And I think the way that UA, UA teams look now is very different than how they looked, you know, in 2014, right? Where it's just kind of majority of media buyers and you had like a data scientist, maybe they weren't even dedicated to UA, they were just sort of floating around. Well, now, I mean, the majority of people on the team really should be related to the measurement and the analytics. And if that's the case, I mean, then they need to be very close to the game teams, maybe not fully like one-to-one -one committed, right? But they should be working mostly with the game teams, understanding, um, you know, how these, how the, how the economy works so that they can actually model the ROI and then kind of pass. And then that, that, that becomes a sort of like operational analytics for the, for the media buyers. Mm. I've seen so that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, that, that's, that's a testament to the, to the embedded model. And I think it's, it's, it's actually really hard to do the centralized model unless the specific strategy of that company is we're going to dominate this vertical. We're going to dominate this category and we're just going to put out, you know, whatever, uh, slot game after slot game after slot game or match three after match three after match three. And they're not really differentiated. A lot of times, you know, sometimes the, the strategy is even just to reskin um, to kind of try to try to hit different audiences. And if that's the case, yeah, all that could be centralized. Mm -hmm. So I, I'll pull back or not pull back i'll take something from my own example and that is uh, i've seen i've seen studios where inside the studio they would have product marketing manager or managers but the actual ua team is centralized ua team and mm -hmm. the way it works is that the product managers are kind of like the um they're they're in between the product team yeah. and, the, and the performance marketing team what do you think about that that can work i think um you, you would want to so that i think that the goal there would be to have someone who's in a kind of constant you know state of communication with the game team around live ops mm -hmm. um and who really under who really sort of is is charged with like deeply understanding the audience they're going after and I mean, that that thing's gonna become a lot more important kind of in the next you know go well going forward just given given the sort of disconnect between the ad platforms and the audience right you're gonna need to build that connection yourself internally um, you know, with iOS 14 and IDFA and stuff. And so my sense is that role becomes a lot more important. Um, but I've seen that work really successfully, right? You've got a product, you've got a product marketing manager who really deeply understands the product, 
and they're sort of like the liaison between the product team and they're, they're getting the constant updates and they're, they're, they're in the product meetings every day. Um, and they're, they're working on, you know, a lot of the live ops messaging too, right? So they're actually communicating with the audience. That's part of their job. And so then they're relaying a lot of that information to the UA team. Um, and that could work really well because then there's probably less thrash, right? If they're the go between, um, what you don't want to have is like the product manager, you know, storming into the UA team office and saying like, why did DAU drop 10% today? Or, you know, that, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be a catastrophe, but like, why did DAU go down? Why did DNU go down 5% today? Uh-huh. Right. You don't want that happening. Like there's, there's volatility. There's, you know, things, things like that are going to happen, you know, maybe not 5%, but on a day-to-day basis, there's going to be some volatility. Um, you know, why did we get, you know, 200 users in India yesterday? Like that threw off our, met- you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff, you, you don't want that. And so like, it can make sense to have that intermediary um, who sort of understands both sides. Uh, I've seen that work. That tends to be, um, I think that ten- you'd still want that, you'd want that in a, in a model where you're operating multiple games. Because I, I think at, when you've got one game or, you know, it's, it's, you know, you've got maybe a few smaller games, uh, but the company's still pretty small. I think you want that sort of like visceral connection between the UA team and the product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly what Phil was also talking about. And he actually mentioned that in the podcast where we recorded, he said, you know, that they had some people who weren't that much playing the game and they didn't last. Yeah. And, and that that's the, um, I, and as I, as I talked with him as well, I think that's the key way for the, uh, for the marketing team to build trust with the game team. Because again, I've been in organizations where the UA team didn't really play your game. They're kind of like, yeah. hey, what's up? You know, here are the numbers. Can't really scale more than this. See you again in next week's sync meeting. Yeah. And and that, I think, builds the distrust because the game team is trying to figure out how the hell they can make it work, how the hell they can grow their game. They're trying to turn all the stones. But the UA team, for them, you're like just one in the portfolio. And, they, and really, they want to be just pushing more traffic to the main game or whatever, the biggest yeah. one. And you're kind of like their side hustle. Right. (laughs) I mean, the other thing is like, if you've got that downward momentum, Mm. it's actually really hard to turn it around and not because let's say that the game uh, monetization is dropping off, right. Mm. For, um, for existing players, for, for like kind of legacy Dow. Mm -hmm. And so, okay. So that's, that's impacting the, the, you know, that's, that's impacting the sort of LTV production uh, projection. Right. Um, but it's happening for, it's going to be by definition, be happening for more people than you're bringing in every day, because if it's happening for legacy DAU, well, you're not bringing in that, you know, you know, the daily contributions can be lower than the, the DAU base, right? Unless you're like a really low level, but, but if I'm talking about like a legacy game where it's just in decline, well, then what do you do? Well, you have to, you have to revamp, um, you know, the entire, uh, the entire um, game economy specifically for the legacy DAU. Now you could be, you could be revamping the, so, so the game team is focused on like elder game mm-hmm. and the UA team is bringing in new users, mm-hmm. right? And so they're saying, well, you know, look, the new users are still performing the same. You haven't really moved the needle. And it's like, well, no, you've got to look later in the curve. You've got to see where we're inflecting the curve in the legacy game, in the elder game. And like, that's, that's where that, if there's not that sort of like analytical sensibility on the UA team, they're like, well, no, look, this user, this cohort came in yesterday. It's still at, it's still at you know, 3% recoup day zero. That means it's not going to be enough sorry, nothing we can do, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, of course that the team's not going to focus on the Fatui or they're not going to focus on, you know, session one because they're focused on the elder game because the elder game is where they're losing, uh, they're, they're sort of losing ARP down, yeah. right? So I think that there's got to be that sort of sync. There's got to be that alignment. Like, hey, no, we're addressing the elder game. Look at the elder game part of the model. And the UA team is like, a lot of times you get people on the UA team and it's like, you know, they're media buyers. That's what they are. And they're not fundamentally analysts. And it's like, well, no, look, look, this, this column in the spreadsheet stayed the same. So therefore we can't increase spend. Right. It's like, well, no, that's not what we're talking about. Like, you know what I mean? Like you got to yeah. really understand what you're actually doing. What, what, what is the purpose of you buying users? Oh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm having like flashbacks. I've seen so many of those columns and then they show you uh, like to a child, look, Here's the graph of where you're heading and here's where it needs yeah. to be. And yeah, this yeah. is with the portfolio effect. And even with the portfolio effect, you're a little bit lower. So you're really trailing behind. Yeah. And you're like, dude, I see it myself. Like, right. like let's talk solutions. Don't walk me through yeah. a slide. <laughs> right. Like you drew, you drew it in crayon yeah. on, a, on a piece of, uh, piece of construction paper. Well, and, and the other thing is, is people don't get, it's like, well, okay, yes, there was, there's a problem. There's a problem. Right. And we're fixing it. Mm-hmm. So you can't look at 
uh, you can't have a look back window that's six months. Of course, the new, the new data that's a week, uh, we've got a week of new data mm-hmm. and you're using a six month look back window. Of course, it's going to be skewed to the bad data. You've got to try to, you've got to try to fit this new data into mm-hmm. a new model. Now use the old data f- for reference, but you've got to try to build a new model using the new data. Otherwise we're going to be skewed towards the bad data and, and we're going to like have, you know, in a very tiny incremental way, improved it, but you need to build a new model on the new data. Otherwise you're just going to be looking at old bad data. Yeah, that's actually, so the, there's there's two, two important points that, that we raise. So one is, of course, the approach of your UA team in the sense that they are there solving a problem. Yeah. Just like the game team, but the but on the game team side, the game team has to be communicating what is the problem that they are solving, right. so that the yeah. UI team can actually put themselves in 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 a different problem solving mode. So I, yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the cooperation. And when when both of the teams are seeing that the both of the both of the sides are making an effort, that bridge that builds the trust. Um, yeah. So so kind of going back to some of the questions that I posted before is like. Who do you count in the uh, user acquisition team? Like, do you count marketing separately, or is it part of that team? Well, I don't. I don't know that I've ever been. Um, w- I mean, for a gaming company, I don't. I don't have ever been in one that had like a separate marketing team. Um, you know, for me, the UA team is the media buying, you know, team, the creative team and some set of analysts slash you know data scientists slash data engineers who are building the infrastructure and the analytics mm. um you know the analytics machinery that that would be that would be it for me now i've I known somewhere they include the ad monetization within ua i mean that's that's i mean fine if if the lead has that kind of expertise and, and can manage that um although that's very that's very product related yeah um you know i've seen some where um you know, they'll, inc- they'll include kind of, you know, the product marketing function, um, which also could be product team or UA team, I guess. I don't, I don't think it matters. I think it's, it's more about, you know, what does a CMO want to wrap their arms around? Um, a lot of times, you know, what, where I've seen this just be disastrous is, you know, a, a startup hires, they want to hire a CMO, they get someone from like CPG or they get someone from like a big brand or they get someone um you know from like uh i don't know coca-cola like a new oh what yeah coca-cola but they get someone from like a a noom or something you know what i mean like oh yeah someone who's like yeah you're gonna be this you're gonna be the cmo and 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 that's just that very rarely works because like especially with gaming it's just so especially at the start it's like you've got to grind it out day after day increased out and you're not i mean like you could you could be thinking about the brand and you could be um, you know, you know, you'd be thoughtful about the game design and how all this wraps together. But really, what you're doing is you're slugging it out with you. You can't be wasting your time talking to creative agencies and doing. You know, if you're going to do any of that stuff, you got to do it yourself, and you've still got to make sure that you're allocating enough time to UA, mm-hmm. right? And I think that always gets sidelined with people that you know have this idea of like a bigger picture marketing org, right? At the very start, yeah. And then later, later on, you can you can you can bring that functionality in, but you still have to kind of understand. Um, the very important, maybe even, you know, pr- you know, primary role that UA plays. And so sometimes as you see them, I mean, we've talked about this before, but CMOs just have a hard time accepting that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really depends. I think a good example would also be a, a CMO coming in from AAA and, yeah. and somebody who's been like shipping, like one of those big, big titles, like halos and need yeah, yeah, yeah. and whatnot. And they would come in. They're like, "Where's my 150 page deck on like right, yeah, creatives? Yeah. Like, we're gonna bang it out. It's gonna be amazing." And they do come up with awesome stuff, and it might work for for bigger titles. But what I've usually noticed, even with with those type of people who who have that experience of launching something big and really creating a phenomena, it's it's difficult for them to sustain that momentum because yeah. Once the, uh, once the, um, well, featuring is not that big of a thing. Well, let's see what happens. But once the initial spike kind of runs out and they can't do, yeah. you know, short time paybacks and then just grow yeah. the game, what then? Because now you're back yeah. to the grind mode. Like, can you right. drive an organization with grind or, because what I've noticed in that point, what, what these guys would do is, or gals, what they would do is they start thinking about like, Hey, let's, what's our next kind of like a big marketing campaign. Like, how do we, how do we invigorate the brand? How do we bring it back to the players? Like, let's talk about influencers and let's do a new, new video, a new movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, well, you've seen it on Marvel too. Like we know this is happening. Oh and, no, I've seen it for sure. <laughs> and um, and they're just like they put in like one mail into uh into some kind of video. I guess that kind of doesn't maybe even ship at any point but gets yeah. into like bullshit creatives and doesn't even perform that well yeah yeah and yeah. that's a, that's a tough one but but yeah you're, you're absolutely right like you need to be grinding and like even even if you have that big bang and it's good that you have a big vision of the strategy but you still need to be grinding for the dau all the time um, yeah i one one kind of note on that i got um contacted a couple i don't know maybe it was like a year and a half ago um big it wasn't a gaming company, but this company had just raised a massive, um, you know, series B, I think. And they were like, Hey, we need a, we need someone to come in and, and run UA. And I was like, yeah, we could talk about that. And, and they would be like, you, you'd be reporting to the CMO. This and I was just thinking, why do they have a CMO? Huh? This is Bumble. <laughs> No, man, I wish they had reached out a couple years ago. I would have taken that. And, you know, that's, that's, that'd be one of those Destiny Millionaire stories. Um, but, you know, I, I, I shared this on Twitter. The funny thing, so Bumble's in Austin. and they Yeah, have I know. That's why I said <laughs> the, the office is the dumpiest looking office I've ever seen. It's in like the medical district of Austin, which is like a weird location. And it's next to like, I don't know. It's like the specific part of the med medical district that, that deals with like rectal issues. Cause there's like a, no, seriously, there's like a rectal surgery uh, office next door. And then uh, there's like a proctologist on the other side. It, there's just like all this like rectal surgery going around, around their office. And the office is like, a, it's, it's like this big yellow, just dumpy looking building that looks like it could maybe fit 50 people there's people parking on the street because there's not a parking there's people parking they have like a lawn people park on the lawn because there's the parking lots like they can fit like eight cars and this company's worth like eight billion dollars anyway um this company reached out shout out to bumble uh you know but this company reached out and like why do you have a cmo if you haven't even built out the leadership team for for the ua side and and i and i just i i looked at the guy's cv and i was like he's from an agency and i'm like guys this is not going to work i'd have to report to the ceo there's no way i'd report to the cmo it wouldn't work um you know this this person is not they're not you know sort of like deeply familiar with growing apps like i'm sure they're really smart and i'm sure they're really good at their job and you know they've gotten you to a series b and that's great but if you want to scale dau I need to have total agency over that. And I need to have, I need to report to the CEO. I can't report into a CMO. They're not going to prioritize the right things. And then they were like, yeah, we talked to the CMO about it. He didn't like that idea. So you know, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I imagine he didn't. Yeah, because that would undermine significantly the role of a CMO. But I've seen also CMOs kind of roll over. They'd be like, oh, cool story. Just bring that guy in and then let him, let him run the thing. And I'll, I'm, I'm going to think about like, like uh, brand yeah. partnerships and, and, um, and, you know, sponsorships and whatnot just sit in on you know i don't know i'm not gonna say anything more well you can imagine that cmo be stressed out in that position right because hey man we just raised a series b we got a triple dau in a year what's your plan because i don't think buying billboards in central london is going to cut it anymore and he's like uh oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next big campaign well you yeah know. next big campaign <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna partner up with the rock <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so i have actually yeah so i have an interesting 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 story that that fun plus did when i worked there and the way they uh, they approached this integration of marketing and product and everybody is that the bonuses were divided for for the product team and you would get the bonuses only if you were in the team but the team was actually responsible for instead of using central resources you were able to use your own resources so that meaning if you hit your quarterly your bonuses are being distributed across the team but part of that team is marketing and what made that really interesting is that because you operate the full, full pnl that yeah. means that if you choose to invest more then that is that usually means that you're not going to get bonuses this quarter but because you're investing, that means you're going to get more bonuses the following quarter. So yeah. marketing and product are both aligned because they're making this call together and yeah, everybody's yeah. bonuses is on the line. So when they make that call, they're pretty sure about it. I like right. that approach. Like that, that really brings everybody together because everybody's bonuses is riding on it. Yeah, man, I think bonuses are such an underutilized tool in mobile game studios. I mean, what a motivating thing. If you can get money this quarter, right for blowing out your dau 
right? Yeah, exactly. Everyone's going to be way more scientific about the way they <laughs> think about the marketing model. They're going to be way more personally invested. Um, if I if I ever start a game studio, um, it's going to be it's it's going to be just like you know you've heard about like Zynga and Heyday, right? Like they had like one hundred percent. But I was reading that the guy that does Liquid and Gritty, he made a post. I didn't I didn't read that. I didn't listen to the podcast, but he was talking about they had one hundred percent bonuses at one point. Like you can make a hundred percent of your salary in bonus. In where where? At Zynga, I think like early on, like in 2012 or 13 yeah. or whatever, but, but just like, I mean, I, I've heard that that was like the most cutthroat culture that ever existed, but still like, I think you just, you could, you can motivate people with such in a sort of immediacy by saying, look, you know, y- your bonus is tied to the PNL on a month to month basis. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, you've got stock and hopefully that's worth something at some point in time, but you know, this is going to hit your pocket this month or next month. It's so motivating. I, I like I, and I don't understand. Approach. I like the quarterly yeah, you, approach because you're making an investment. Like you're sitting right. down and the UI is like, dude, I really think like if we push now, it's going to be a couple of dry quarters, but then we'll, yeah. we'll hit the jackpot. And you're like right. thinking about it for the whole week. And you're like, you know yeah. what, let's go for it. Let's go for broke. Let's go to yeah. it. And everybody's writing it. Uh, and, but what I've seen is like, I've seen, I've seen even some, some heads of UA talking about their, you know, their mistakes and kind of being proud of it. Like, you know, pull the trigger, spent four mil, kind of went off. But you know what? Everybody was like, hey, you came in and you, you admitted that you made the wrong call and you learned from it. So we're all good. And that kind of like, I was like, what? like yeah. if you can make that big of a mistake and there's no repercussions, there's no, and there's no head on your bonuses, there's nothing that, how does that incentivize you? I don't right. mean you, yeah. you need to be fired for that, but you know, if it's, if, if it was a, a calculated shot that didn't work, but at the same time, like you have to be incentivized for, for making it work. And I've actually right. seen, I've actually seen some of the studios like that, that um again, trying not to, to, to <laughs> tell too much, but I've seen some of the studios where the heads of UI would have a target. And once they hit that target, they got a mill, like a $1 million. And it was like said, like, you'd go here, that's $1 million. And yeah. my God, the guys got it. <laughs> they yeah. figured it out. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of, who's really good at this is the Israeli studios. Because um, a lot of those people came from the, the, the kind of, you know, the gambling gaming background, right? And then moved into UA roles at the, the flourishing, you know, sort of very vibrant Israeli, uh, you know, gaming, gaming ecosystem. And th- those guys use bonuses like crazy. I mean, that's how that's how they're compensated. Really, it's like bonuses. And I had never heard of that. You know, working mostly in Europe, um, then going and meeting these Israeli guys and like, yeah, we're we're you know, like I'm on fifty percent bonus. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, but I got equity. You know, yeah. it's like which it, you know almost universally ended up being worth very little to me. Exactly. Uh, but but you know, I mean, like that that was really fascinating seeing that that kind of um, that operating model. And yeah, you're right. I mean, if there's no, if there's just no accountability, people are going to take like, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, to me, it's like, there's just given, given the, the, given the size on a, on a, on a sort of, um, you know, relative level of UA spent for most companies um, as like the first, uh, the, the largest single like line item um, of expenses you can't just take risks like that. Everything needs to be kind of felt out before you devote real money like i don't i i wouldn't i would never say like yeah we're launching this campaign mm-hmm. and and we're just going to blow it all in a week and we kind of have some you know some some like um kill switches in place but not really and we've already yeah. committed like that's just a disaster that's never that's like that's irresponsible yeah. fucking roll the dice yeah let's roll the dice yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's roll the dice let's be bold let's see yeah. where it takes we can't be sitting around let's see Let's see what happens. Let's cascade. I'm sure once we get some tractions, the uh, yeah. the rest will follow. Like I don't have right. a model for this, but I got a really good feeling. Gut. I got. <laughs> I go by my gut. <laughs> I'd be really worried about that. All right, let's bring it home. Um, what's your how how would you how would you summarize this? Like, let's say you're building a UA team. Uh, what are, what are the steps? Um, and- <sighs> Growth I think, team, um, growth team, not a UA team, growth team. Like what should, what should a person do in an independent studio? And what should a person do uh, who's running a company in a corporation? Or well, running a team in, in a corporation? Independent studio. I mean, I think you just need to focus so much on the modeling and the analytics and, and almost make that the fail safe against, you know, a, just the team. I, I think UA should be like the most boring part of 
the org because it really should just be telling you what to do all the, like the, the, the sort of central analytics infrastructure should be giving you such um, such like sort of uh, uh, you know uh, concrete guardrails that like there's really no way to mess it up and then it's really just kind of almost like a data entry job in a way it's like you're looking at the guard rate you know you're looking at the output from the analytics and you're you're and then you're going into ads manager or whatever um, now that that's changing a little bit now uh with the idea face stuff but like really i think all that's going to do is just drive more of a need for like hardy analytics and like robust analytics um and durable models and so that really just means you know your ua team is is really just kind of like an analytics function and then some media buying on top of that and and even now i mean i, I feel like you could outsource a lot of that to agencies there's a lot there's a lot of really awesome agencies that have popped up that are former heads of ua at gaming companies or whatever they they, they took three or four people with them and now they're like, you know, work for higher agencies that that really deeply understand performance marketing. I, don't, I even wonder if you would, if I would build a gaming company today, I don't know that I would, I would want to hire an internal team aside from having someone managing that analytics until I grew to like a couple million and spend a month. Mm -hmm. um, just because these, these team, these small agencies are hung, they want your business. Like if you're spending a million a month, and they're getting 10% of that, they're really happy with that. Like they're not, they don't have a ton of overhead. Um, they're not taking out to client dinners, but you know, they're doing a really great job and they're not baking in a lot of like, you know, extra fees into their bill. So I, I would just, I would move in that direction now it, and, and then just, and then just scale that. I think the biggest thing that I look for in someone on the UA team, and this is the way I design like take home tests. And I'm, I, you know, I make take home tests for like take 30 minutes, not like, you know, mm -hmm. eight hours, but mm -hmm. they, it's just like, they wouldn't be able to, 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 to do it unless they were like really paying attention. Right. Like the instructions are very clear. Um, there, but there's just a lot of things to do and like, they have to follow the instructions very closely, you know, cause the steps kind of build on each other. And I think that, that to me is the biggest, someone, someone who is very attentive to detail and who fixes mistakes before they become problems. Mm -hmm. Um, that to me is like the thing to look for in like just operational people. And that's at an independent studio. And then you, that just kind of scales up. And then I think if you need to layer on those additional sort of marketing capabilities or you want them in place at the very beginning, that's fine. But that shouldn't interfere with the work of the UA. Like you shouldn't be fighting for budget. They should be very independent, you know, parts of the org that work together. Now, it, going to a, a, you know, an acquisition type situation, hopefully the acquiring studio has just a lot better tools, right? Hopefully they have even more resources. That'd be, the, that'd be great. If they don't, then I would, you know, go with the Zynga approach and say, just leave us alone. Yeah. Leave us alone. Maybe give us more money to invest into this, you know, money printer, which is our game. But just leave us alone. Let us use our own tools, our own people. Don't uh, don't intervene because we're we're making money for you and us. Hmm. What what's your take on on using consultants? I mean, of course, yeah, sure, use use Eric Super, but uh, but I've seen a lot. Like, there's a lot of different consultants, and I've seen a lot yeah. of companies use them. And the problem is, he like with anything that I do in outsourcing is if you can't do this yourself, do not outsource it. Right. And that's my worry yeah. with consultants as well. Like I've seen, I've seen folks outsourcing something, they have no idea of how it's done. And yeah. so how do they know it's good or not? No, that, and that's, I mean, you've, you've got to just bite the bullet and fix the problem internally. I, I would not hire a consultant. So first of all, I mean, I can, I'm a, yes, I'm a consultant, but I work with very, very large companies, right? I don't work, I, I start up, I would tell them, don't use me for that exact reason. Like, first of all, you know, I'm just very expensive. And second, you need to fix, you need to learn how to do this. Like you can't have someone doing this for you. Um, it's, it's a core, it's just a core, uh, it's a core part of your company's, um, you know, sort of, sort of operating, you know, operating success is knowing this function very, very deeply. If you hire a consultant, you're going to pay them for forever and they're probably not going to care that much. Right. Um, cause it's just the reality. So, I mean, I wouldn't hire a consultant unless you're like a very big org and you're really thinking more like on the strategy side and you want someone who's been there, done that. Right. So you're not going in blind. That's the reason to hire a consultant, hire, hiring a consultant. The reason for hiring a consultant is not, Hey, we've got this sort of like, um, you know, very fundamental piece of our company that's missing. So we should, but we can't hire for it. So we should bring in someone external to do it for us. That's a, that's, that's not even consulting. That's like freelancing. Right. And that's, yeah. that's a very, that's a very bad reason to pay somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so we agree on that. Well, I think we, we got it covered. I don't know if this is at the clearest way. This is not a lecture. We just talked about UA, yeah. how to build a growth team, but definitely focusing on hiring that first person, whatever it takes, just get a good one, get recommendations, 
get an analytical, everything you described, that should be the, the first person you hire in your studio. So um, yeah, anything else other than? Well, this is just like a favorite topic of mine. So I've written a lot yeah. about it on Mobile Dev Memo. So if you look up uh, on Mobile Dev Memo, scaling a mobile marketing team from zero is one article. And then I wrote an article on Quantmar that has a bunch of links. Uh, the question is, what's the best approach for building a UA team from scratch? And I wrote like a long answer and put a bunch of links at the end. So um, I just, I don't know. This is a super fascinating topic. Yeah. Because is, just because of, well, just is, because of how, yeah, go ahead. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Finish. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll say my thing. I mean, just because of how much of a role good UA plays in the success of companies that have scaled and done well. It's huge. It's, 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 it's crucial. That's what it is. It is absolutely crucial. And, um, what was that supposed? Oh yeah, this is this was my question that I didn't ask. How does it change between, like, you're building your team now in 2021 versus 2019 versus like 2014? Like, are we like should you approach this team building exactly like it was in 2014 when you first built your model? No, or? no, no, no. Because now you've got the whole SK ad network uh, issue to to deal with. Um, you know the way that the way and and just games have gotten more complex and so the modeling needs to get more complex right like you know a 2014 style game was just straight content treadmill you know candy crush just pushing out new levels every week and that was how they kept people engaged now it's the live ops um component you know it's 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 that it's that sort of like very engaged super long tail of users so, i mean you've got to be able to segment users really deeply now and think about that and so it's, it's the games have become so much more complex. So you need a more complex model to accommodate the marketing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Makes sense. So, so we don't have to go, go back to the 2014 model where you ship off your marketing team to be close to Google and, and Apple somewhere in the U S <laughs> things like, yeah. like that was back in the days. That was the move. Like if yeah, you didn't that was. your marketing team in SF, you were screwed. Like you were too yeah. far away. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, anyway, always a pleasure. Growth triggers done for this time. Episode six, send us some feedback, send us some questions. This was actually a good one. This came from Sophie. So, uh, I hope, I hope Eric's question was, was good enough. And, and then there's the, all the, all the stuff on mobile dev memo. So yeah, everybody have a great week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Cheers, buddy. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening through the whole episode. For more growth content, please check out previous episodes on Deconstructor of Fun Podcast and do visit the Mobile Dev Memo website as well as the Mobile Dev Memo podcast. For more growth topics, please do connect with myself or Eric Sufer directly through LinkedIn or Twitter. And for discussion about what we talked on this podcast, please join the Deconstructor of Fun Slack group. The application can be found on deconstructor.com website. And last... But definitely not least, huge thanks to our sponsors, Iron Source and Apps Flyer. Catch you guys on the next episode. Bye.